It's May 9th, 2018, and welcome to another edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we'll serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I'm Ryan Ozawa. I'm hosting Solo today as Bert Lum is in Chicago. First up, we're going to hear about the Summer Startup Launchpad program at the Scheidler College of Business at UH, which is challenging students to launch a business in six weeks. Then we'll learn about the Culinary Innovation Center at Kapiolani Community College, where food scientist Dr. Lauren Tamamoto is working on making food taste better and last longer. But as I mentioned, first up, let's welcome Peter Rowan. He's the executive director of PACE, the Pacific Asian Center for Entrepreneurship at UH. Welcome to the show, Peter. Thanks, Ryan. Or rather, welcome back. So before we get to the Startup Launchpad, which is a relatively new program, I know that you just wrapped up the business plan competition. Is that correct? That's right. Just last Thursday. So what uh, what did you see in this round? This has been a longstanding program, some really neat ideas coming out. Was there a theme or anything that really stood out this year? It was an amazing competition. The The semifinals, the sixth, the sort of the sweet 16 round, mm. it was very tough competition. Wow. So the, the four finalists were lucky to be the four. I mean, it was close. We could have easily taken a few others. And I think the thing that stood out for me was that all four businesses were real up-and-running businesses. So they weren't oh. just projects that MBA students put together just for the competition. These are things that are actually in the works. That's pretty amazing. Like, so they're they're probably they already have customers. They That's already right. are, are doing that kind of discovery. That's right. That's in fast. So who won this year? So this year the winner was Rendezvous, which Rendezvous. was a project coming out of the Lava Lab at the engineering school with uh, some PhD graduate mm-hmm. students, and it's a a virtual uh, collaborative software. Fantastic. But one of the things that is about a business plan competition is not just about the numbers and everything. It's really about the pitch. It's really about getting up there and making your case. When you mentioned like engineering students, how did they do on stage? Well, we do some coaching. Oh, okay, good, good. <laughs> they did great. But also, you know, we put a big emphasis this year on on traction. So not so much just about the the smooth delivery of the presentation, but we asked the judges both in the semifinal round and and in the finals to look for evidence that these businesses actually had traction, actually had mm. momentum. That's very important. All right. Well, I know Bert was interested in perhaps getting to know the winner or maybe one of the other winners in uh, this later on our show. But I know that one of the benefits you get by winning the business plan competition is to move on or to also participate in what is called the Summer Startup Launchpad. Now, this is the third year of that program. Tell me a little bit about that. That's right. So it was started uh, three or two summers ago by uh, the Pace staff and Susan Yamada, my predecessor. Mm, right, right. And uh, I was lucky enough to be able to be a coach and a mentor during those two years as well. So I kind of know how the program runs. So effectively what we're trying to do is is get people as far away from the idea on the napkin as they can in six in six weeks. <laughs> but it does seem to start at that point where you, versus like when you talked about the business plan competition, mm-hmm. in this year in particular, you had companies that were in operation that were building traction that had uh, uh, customers. But for the start, summer startup launchpad, it's sort of like a zero to 60 experience. That's right. There is a diversity uh, of stage sort of in mm-hmm. the very early stage. So, you know, we have, I expect to have probably half of the companies in there are, are clo- very close to the napkin. And then some of the more advanced ones would be like the winner of the business plan competition where they already have a product hmm. and they've already put it in front of front of customers and maybe they're doing a pilot or something like that. So who is the uh, startup launchpad open to? Is it specifically business students at Scheidler? Or no, it- it's open to anyone in the UH system. One person on the team has to be a student. Mm-hmm. 
So if you were at UA Chilo and you were working on, say, drones and you felt that there was a business proposition there and you've actually done some work in building out that idea, you could perhaps apply or you might have applied to this program. The applications have closed, but that's how that's how wide this net is being cast. That's absolutely right. So yeah. how many applications for this uh, third year did you get? I think this year we got around 30, and which was a pretty good number. And I just got finished today interviewing 10 of them. Wow. So I've had sort of back-to-back interviews the last <laughs> few days because we're going to make our final decisions on Friday. Well, it might be nice to then sit here and be asked questions for once. What is the What did you say is the ideal cohort size of this launch pad? I think it's about 10 companies That's mm-hmm. what, that we think we can handle. So in the six weeks, what do you do with them? Because, like you said, they come from a diversity of positions, whether napkin or business plan competition winners. What do they experience as part of the launch pad? Well, the, the, the main objective is to demonstrate market validation during the six weeks. And it's all about getting moving towards investor readiness. So this is a pretty early stage for, for most of these students. They're, they, maybe they took some entrepreneurship classes and participated in some PACE programs, but they're just finally deciding to go and try to launch something. So uh, we push them really hard. We use the lean startup methodology. Mm -hmm. So most of the work they do is outside of the building, outside of PACE, finding customers, interviewing customers, sort of demonstrating that the problem that they want to solve is a real problem Mm -hmm. in the world. So, yeah, teams of two to four people, one at least one within UH Systems, right. you're going to work with them on the lean startup. And I guess uh, when you are starting to put together this formulation as a, as a participant, you get to work with mentors, not just in UH, but in the business community, correct? That's right. So we have mentors, a handful of mentors that are dedicated to uh, to the team. So each team will have a dedicated mentor in addition to uh, the the staff that helps guide them through the program. And is it is uh, it's also a competition? Do I, is that correct? Is there a is there a winner that comes out at the end of the summer startup launchpad? Well, there there is a final presentation on the last day of the six weeks, and we'll bring in folks from the community, many of the folks you've had as guests in the past, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to you know provide tough feedback to them. Uh, so the uh, if you've completed successfully, each team will will split a will share a four thousand dollars stipend. Ah. There is one uh, sort of a pro, sort of a winner <laughs> which is that the 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 cohort will get to choose which one of them they thought was the best oh, and they'll get an extra thousand dollars that's pretty cool so uh if they make it through the program and they get to what is i guess a demo day at the end right. is that something that is uh, that you have judges and it's it's within the program or is that open to more people in the community you know we have it we hosted it at space at our our new co-working space at Scheidler, and we're welcome to have people come sure. it's not quite as big a demo day right. as you might expect but you know well, I'd love to please keep us posted on, on that program. Now, as I mentioned, the application has already passed. You're doing interviews for people to right. come into this cohort. But I'm sure uh, if you're anywhere in the University of Hawaii system, you want to be ready for the launch pad perhaps next year. Absolutely. So where can someone go to find more information about the startup launch pad program? So you can go to our website, which is pace.shidler.com. And you know you can always contact me or any of the team, Crystal, Kaili, and Tracy at, hmm. at Pace. Anytime. Fantastic. And we'll put those links uh, and information in our show notes at uh, bitemarkscafe.org. Peter, it's great to have you back. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Well, we're going to take a short break. And when we return, we'll be joined by Dr. Lauren Tamamoto. She's going to whet our appetite for the great things happening at the Culinary Innovation Center at KCC. 
Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Shamanad University, Inter-Island Solar Supply, and Hastings and Pleadwell, a communication company. I love Hawaii Public Radio. I listen to it 24-7. I wouldn't do my share to make sure the radio station stays on all the time. I do not want it to go away. I want it to live on forever and ever. And if I can do my small part to make sure that that happens, I'm happy. Aloha. My name is Adele Rugg. I live in Kihei, Maui, and I'm proud to be a sustaining member of Hawaii Public Radio. Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe. Joining us now is Dr. Lauren Tamamoto. She's a certified culinary scientist by the, or she got that certification by the Research Chefs Association. She has over 10 years of experience in food manufacturing and product development, and she's an instructor at uh, Kapiolani Community College's Culinary Arts Program, and she is also the lead for the KCC Culinary Innovation Center. Welcome to the show, Lauren. Thanks for having me, Ryan. Now, I came to learn about this uh, great program when my wife was signing up for some of the community cooking classes that also happen up at KCC, but I was not aware of what was referred to as this Culinary Innovation Center, and I want to ask you about that. But first of all, tell me about your background. I understand from our mutual friend, Sherry Tamashiro, a cyberian, a proud Uchinachu organ organizer that you used to work at Frito-Lay, and that kind of was where the food scientist background was honed? Yes. So I used to work at Frito-Lay in Texas mm. for a while as a research scientist, and I worked on brands like Stacy's Pita Chips, um, oh. a brand named called Cracker Jacked. So it's like <laughs> jacked up Cracker Jack. Wow. So intense flavors. Um, I worked on a brand called True North, which was a nut cluster. So I learned a lot there. So a food scientist. Now, I'm thinking maybe... Alton Brown on the Food Network or someone who takes a more nerdy approach to food. But it sounds like this is even more serious than that. For one thing, the scale you're working at. Yes. Yeah, so it's kind of nerdy. Um, I'm kind of geeky. I like <laughs> I like learning and knowing about the science of what I'm eating. And when I go shopping in the grocery store, I always buy the new products that are out there. And I try to think about how did they make this? I wonder what they put in. And my husband does the same thing now because I guess we've been together so long that he, we, we start dissecting products. We think about it. And does the science extend to, you, know, you talked about developing flavors and making sure they're consistent, but obviously manufacturing is a big part of that too, how it's packaged, how it stays fresh. Mm -hmm. um, what are some of the, the challenges that a food scientist faces when they're working on these kind of products? Uh, there's a lot of things. So I guess the first thing is, okay, who's your target market? Mm -hmm. You can make a product and you might like it and then there's no one that's going to buy it. <laughs> and there's things uh, with shelf life. So how long will it be safe? So a lot of things that food scientists do is they look at the safety of their product. What kind of ingredients can you put in to extend the shelf life of, of your product. But I mean, uh, even when you're working with flavor, I just read this fantastic article about the minor change apparently that Haagen-Dazs made to their vanilla formula. <laughs> I think that's what it was. And that it's created this enormous controversy among people who really liked the old formulation of vanilla. Oh. So is that something that you had to face too? So actually in grad graduate school, I specialized in sensory evaluation. Mm. And that 
you end up using people as instruments to detect differences in flavor or even um, if they like something or not. So back when I was little, there's something called the Pepsi Coke Challenge. Oh, right. And so people did taste tests and then they decided which one do they like better. And um, so what Hagen does probably did, I hope, is that they had a sensory test and they they had a bunch of hundreds, thousands of people tasting their original ice cream and their new ice cream with their flavors. And they ran statistics, they ran the test, and their data probably showed them that there was no difference. But I guess not. <laughs> yeah, so. Well, the funny thing is, in many cases, it's what you believe to be true also impacts mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what you taste. So anyway, I thought that was absolutely fascinating. So tell me now about this Culinary Innovation Center. We like to focus on innovation here on Bite Marks Cafe, but when you add in food, it sounds like just the most wonderful possible combination of disciplines. But uh, how long has it been around up at KCC? So I've been at KCC for about four years, and so we've had this center for about three, three and a half years, and we were funded by a Department of Labor grant to start up this program. And so it was to help with the food manufacturing industry here and train students as well as serve as a resource center for entrepreneurs, for small businesses, for local farmers. So um, I was hired to start this program up and get people interested in food innovation in food manufacturing. So I imagine it overlaps or interacts with quite a bit with the programs that I feel I understand already exist at KCC in terms of uh, teaching people to be restaurant chefs or uh, actually running a restaurant business. But this comes from the uh, labor development side of the picture? Mm -hmm. So the Culinary Innovation Center is part of the culinary arts program, but Uh we're offering other opportunities for students to pursue fields in culinary, but we've noticed that there is a trend now for food manufacturing here, and sometimes there's some higher-paying jobs, too, and I'd like to think more like eight-to-five jobs or eight-to-six jobs. <laughs> and, <laughs> and and so it's it's tailored towards people who want to start their own businesses or they like culinary arts and they like the science. And so now we're giving them that opportunity to but pursue it. There's kind of an entrepreneurship side of it. Mm-hmm. And um, we recently featured the Mana Up oh, yeah. Accelerator Program where so, they're also looking at yes. Hawaii-based manufacturing. So I think, again, yes. these are complementary interests. What do, you, what do you suppose that it is that is driving this renewed interest, not that it's never gone away, mm-hmm. to not just make restaurant food uh, and not just rely on what you get at Safeway from Nabisco, but to create, manufacture, and distribute food products based and from Hawaii? Well, I I think Hawaii has been very food-centric, like, all through my life. I I mean, I I can remember my food has always been a big part of my life from when I was growing up with my grandparents. and, And we have this brand, and... Mele probably spoke about the Hawaii brand mm-hmm. and that's so important. And I, I think it's a matter of trying to capitalize on it and help these businesses grow. Um, so I, I think that's why. And there's so many people now with this entrepreneurship, they, they're around food all the time and they're like, I have a good product. I, I think this will. there's a market for this. Well, I like what you said about Hawaii's brand, right? I mean, we see some uh, evidence of that in the Kona coffee brand mm-hmm. and the awareness out of that, perhaps chocolate. People still ask me about pineapples, even yes. though that hasn't been a thing uh, for a long time. So one of the things that the uh, 
uh, Culinary Innovation Center does is work on food product development. So, for example, I mean, I just want to see what this program would be like. Let's say I said, I think that I've got the best Kahlua pork sandwich that we could uh, flash freeze and make it so you can just stick it in your microwave and have a great Kahlua pork sandwich and it's not gamey and it's not squishy. Uh, Do you work with something like that? Would that be an idea that could come in? Uh, Yes. So I can work with people who already have ideas set up because they own the IP and I we can talk about what they want to do what's the f- food safety issues that might occur mm. well, I can talk about packaging I can recommend uh, not recommend but I guess um, offer s- different companies suggestions and companies that they could go and reach out to and talk to if they're deciding to pursue their business there's some commercial kitchens that they could contact or um, I guess shared kitchen spaces, and it's up to them to go and pursue these opportunities. Um, I can talk to them about and bring up things they might have not thought about. Mm. Uh, Yeah, I mean, a lot of people think that, oh, I I cook this in my garage, and that should be fine. I can make print my own boxes. But no, I mean, you need commercial kitchens. You need specific certifications and definitely things like food safety and handling. Um, when When you're putting something like that together, do you help them? For example, there was just a new rule in place that chain restaurants have to put uh, calorie information mm-hmm. on everything, including your cocktails. Like even if you just get a smoothie or a drink with the uh, Mai Tai or something like that, it has to have a calorie count. Yes. Like that's probably going to be something that they have to think about as well. Mm-hmm. And so these calorie counts, the, even the nutritional facts on packaged goods that you buy, your sodas, chips, and there's different um, regulations now. So the format changed. So we can help people with that. We have a computer program that I train students on. So they're familiar with what industry uses. And they create their own labels for products that they develop in some of the classes that I teach. And so we can assist people in the industry with this. Also. How, how does someone figure out if I've made my beautiful clue uh, pork slider, and I want to say how many calories are in it? How, how does that work? Do you have a laboratory? Do you need to ship it off somewhere? It depends on your product. So if you have, it's pretty almost like writing a really detailed recipe. So you have your, break down your Kahlua pig, and then what type of pork did you use? You know, how much fat was trimmed off? And you have this information. And wow. and what was the weight pre-cooking mm. and then post? So you need to take... You have to calculate how much moisture was lost. So if you're doing something like a cookie, what was the initial dough weight that you put in the oven? And after you took the cookie out, what was the dough weight? And then that's factored into moisture loss. Um, you need to know what size your cookie is, what how many cookies are in a serving. And so it's just figuring that out and working with people. Well, processing is a big part of it. So how do you say Hawaii stands up in terms of having the capacity to support local businesses trying to create local products, enough commercial kitchens, enough packaging, boxing facilities? You know, what, what does that landscape look like for someone who has this idea they want to move forward with? Um. It's a work in progress. There's a lot of people right now pursuing um, food businesses. So um, it, it, it's we're getting there. We're getting there. There, small businesses can reach a certain point. I feel, and then um, using kitchens, commercial mm-hmm. kitchens, using someone's kitchen after they're um, like on off hours. Right, right. And um, there are some companies here that are considered small to medium-sized companies who have larger pieces of equipment to run and manufacture. And then there comes a point when um, it might be more economical for people to process 
their products on the mainland. Absolutely. And we've seen that many times that, in fact, if you're successful with a Hawaii brand, just to hit the scale you need to take it to the next level, you're going to be looking at processing somewhere else. So Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure it's a challenge faced in the food industry, just like it is in technology or agriculture or anything like that. Well, there is some food in front of me that I want to ask you a little bit about. But as people get hungry listening (laughs) to this conversation, we are going to take a short break to continue our conversation with Dr. Lauren Tamamoto about the KCC Culinary Innovation Center. You're listening to Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. Mahalo to contributors Bush Consulting, Sacred Hearts Academy, and Urgent Care Hawaii. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Ryan Ozawa, and we're talking to Dr. Lauren Tamamoto about the tasty side of science. Now, we have, I have, you were kind enough to bring in, and not to give hints to future guests of this show, but bringing food never hurts, <laughs> a couple of products, I guess. It's uh, Mui Mui and Butter Mochi Crisps. Now, Lauren, are these products in development at the Culinary Innovation Center? Uh, the Mui Mui is, so okay. hardly anyone's t- tasted that. Oh, yet. well, then I can't wait, I, <laughs> but I'm not going to be so crazy it's as to try to eat it on the air. So um, what is one of the things driving a product like this? People like uh, Li Hing Mui, for example, but mm-hmm. is there a special twist to this idea? So part of our part of the Culinary Innovation Center's purpose is to help farmers and people um, and work with value-added products. Mm-hmm. So in this Mui Mui, I was playing around. I have some friends who own a pineapple in Maui Pineapple. Oh, okay. A- and so I was working with the pineapple core that's normally thrown away or given to pig farmers. And I was it's food, but I was repurposing it and trying to make it into something that people would purchase. So um, I included it in this Mui Mui mix, mm-hmm. and it adds a different texture to um, a regular prune mui. Yeah, prune, uh, apricot, uh, and there's a pineapple yes. and whiskey. Very nice. <laughs> so I can I, I we definitely I can definitely appreciate that you know something that might be a byproduct that mm-hmm. is just discarded that it still has value. It still could yes. be edible if you do something special. So I guess um, mui mui or leaking mui mm-hmm. uh, and maybe letting it uh, ferment or something. I mean, what makes that core suddenly tasty? Um, oh, is that uh, <laughs> a secret? A lot of research and development. Nice. And so I work with students trying to train them. This is the, I don't know what iteration of, uh, we're trying to make a pineapple candy. And so we started with candying it and it's very fibrous, the core. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it's a lot of trial and error trying to figure out what would make it soft, a softer chew. And um, Oh, I love that there's a secret recipe already. <laughs> the, other, the other package So here. that's not in for sale yet. Got um, it. And this butter mochi crisp, mm-hmm. we're selling that at the KCC Farmer's Market and in the cafeteria at KCC. And, and so we wanted to create a local snack that um, it's, it's shelf-stable. So normally butter mochi is a soft, chewy mm-hmm. dessert that maybe lasts two days. So this is actually a, a light, crisp cookie. And, and so we created this product, and over time my students and volunteers who have been working on the formulation and making it more consistent and better. Mm. So a year ago, you might have seen some really thick pieces and thin pieces, and now it's uniform. And so it's just working on the process, scaling up. Initially, we were just doing small little batches, and now we can do larger batches. Wow. When you said shelf-stable, is there a period of time that a food needs to be able to last on your shelf so you can call it that, for example? Uh, 
as long my boss is like as long as possible but, <laughs> um, for for this since it's a pretty dry cookie mm. it'll last a long time like six months it's the quality that would decrease so mm-hmm. maybe you'll have a rancid like an off fat like a fat breakdown flavor or it might be soggy but um, well, I would suspect safety. that this product would not last long <laughs> on anyone's shelf. I'd hope so. Not. So, tell me about someone who goes through this uh, this program, this culinology program. Um, what what? How long is that program? What is it? Uh, what do you What are you ready for when you come through that program? Okay, so this program is a new program that we started like three years ago at Kapilani Community College, and it's for those culinary students or people who are just interested in the science behind cooking and. They also like to cook, and they're, mm. they're interested in culinary arts. So students would complete two, the two-year program in culinary arts at KCC and receive an AS degree in um, food service, institutional food service management, and then they move on to UH Manoa for two years in the food science department, and then they end up with the bachelor's of science in uh, food, human nutrition and food science with the option in culinology. That's Pretty cool, and um, we have the, the program has been around long enough that you've had some graduates make them make it through. Uh, not quite long oh, enough okay. yet, and uh, we're working on too because there's some people that are interested in food science and want to go backwards. So mm. that's kind of what I did. So I went to UH for my undergrad, and then I went to culinary school at KCC. Oh, fantastic! So, um, and these people could end up becoming research chefs or food scientists or culinologists, and they could work at food manufacturing companies mm. so they would know how to cook because not all food scientists know how to cook <laughs> and uh, how to make tasty foods, how to incorporate different flavors, uh, different ingredients, and um, and know about shelf, sta- shelf stability, right, knowing right. about sensory evaluation. And just knowing about the whole product development process. Excellent. And there's also a, a advanced professional certificate certificate program that's yes. similar. But uh, how does that differ from the from the culinary program? So program? we're all about trying to offer oppor- different opportunities for KCC students. And before most culinary arts students only would stop at a two year program. So another option for them is a four year degree program, and it's an articulation with UH West Oahu. And so students complete their two years of culinary arts, um, and then they do an advanced professional certificate at KCC. So they're taking 300 level courses in culinary arts. So um, I teach a couple of those classes. So we have food science and modernist cuisine, a nutritional cuisines course so that you're teaching how to cook for certain diet-related diseases. So oh, what uh, can you do? Diabetes diet. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, nice. So what are certain sodium um, alternatives? What's um, What can you use for sugar substitutes? And so they're learning some other things beyond the two-year program. And then they finish up for one year at UH West Oahu, and they're taking business courses. Hmm. And so they end up with a... Um, Bachelors of Applied Science in Culinary Management. And those students want to go into management. And so they could be a restaurant manager. I like this this else. fantastic combination of food, of science, of business, yes. and of certainly education. Now, before we let you go, I did want to ask you a little about, you mentioned this modernist cuisines. Now, yes. I have to admit, I'm kind of a skeptic when I'm watching those shows and they say, hey, we've made a, a liquid nitrogen <laughs> grape that has a foam made out of something <laughs> else. And it's this, it, it really looks 
I can't even describe what it looks like. It yes. doesn't look like food. Uh, how does that pro- how is that program evolving uh, at KCC? So that's one of the advanced professional certificate courses, and I teach that class. Ah. And, and so students have the opportunity. We play with liquid nitrogen. <laughs> uh, we do spheres, orbs, foams, um, sous vide, uh, smoke guns. So they're learning and they're playing around with all types of equipment. We we made beer <laughs> so well, learning about fermentation did. kimchi yogurt so they're just learning the science behind cooking so that they can control what they're doing at, in in industry so they know the method and also the science behind what they're doing and do they basically say i want to see what happens when i put a blank in liquid nitrogen <laughs> is that effectively the- uh yes and it's like how about trying this and i teach them how to measure ph and acidity and that affects the chemicals they can safe safe chemicals food grade chemicals they can use and, and so it's a lot of fun it's almost it's experimenting in in the kitchen yeah. and <laughs> they have a lot of fun. <laughs> so foams and gels and different presentations. I mean, yes. at that point, you're you're not necessarily trying to make it look like familiar food. Mm-hmm. And, and we have a lesson on trickery. Okay. So can you make something? So someone in class made these pink gummy bears that tasted like tomato. And I was like, great, thanks. You know, and they just okay. feed me random food. <laughs> All right. Well, if somebody wanted to find out more about this culinary <laughs> innovation program and maybe tricking their, their friends with food, where can they find more information? Uh, they can go to culinary.kapiolani.hawaii.edu or call 734-9593. Fantastic. Well, Dr. Lauren Tamamoto is from the Culinary Innovation Center, part of the Culinary Arts Department at KCC. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you. And thank you for listening to Bite Marks Cafe. Bert will be back from Chicago next week. where We're going to talk to the chief information officer of the Department of Education about the connected classroom. If you missed any part of this edition, you can find the podcast at bitemarkscafe.org. Our engineer is David Chong. You can catch us every Wednesday on HPR One or via the app. We'll see you next week. But in the meantime, don't forget to be awesome. <laughs>